Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the fight to establish a labor union at the Nissan plant in Canton is being reignited with an upcoming rally. It is our opinion that Mississippi workers deserve better. They should be treated the same way Nissan treats its workers across the globe. But unfortunately, they have not been afforded that opportunity. Then, after a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi, find out where free legal help is available to Mississippians recovering from last month's devastating tornadoes. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Efforts to organize a union at the Nissan plant in Canton are still ongoing. Workers will soon get help from two high-profiled people, U.S. Senator and former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders and actor Danny Glover. The two will join workers in a march and rally just outside the plant on March 4th. State NAACP President Derek Johnson is helping to organize the event. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the fight is for better treatment of workers. Well, the issue for the uh, workers at Nissan is one of, of safety. Uh, they have complained with the uh, insecure hours that they sometimes are faced with. When a worker go in on Monday, they don't know whether or not they're going to work four hours that day or 12 hours that day. They don't know whether or not it's going to be a four-hour workday, three-hour workday, or seven-day workday. Uh, it is one in which creates extreme instability for their families. They can't plan to participate and support their children's activities. And we simply believe that if Nissan allowed its workers in South Africa or Brazil, Japan, France, uh, to be able to have a more stable work environment, uh, American workers, Mississippi workers specifically, should also be afforded that same opportunity. How do you know that isn't happening in those other places? Uh, we have uh, uh, reached out workers in all the countries I've mentioned. Uh, we have traveled and met with them, uh, and, and workers in Brazil have come to America. We have gone there. Uh, we've met with workers from Japan, with workers in France and in South Africa. Uh, pretty much globally, we have both uh, traveled and brought workers to Mississippi. Uh, and in that exchange, we have learned that uh, Nissan is a successful company because they have 
uh, unionized workers all across the globe. And we simply think that work, uh, Mississippi workers deserve better. They should be treated equally uh, as the workers across the country. In Mississippi, are they guaranteed 40 hours? They're not guaranteed 40 hours. That's one of the problems that we have. Uh, they don't know whether or not in a work week they work 35 hours that week or 25 hours or 60 hours. Uh, uh, I think the workers are happy that they have jobs like Nissan. They just want to have Nissan be a better company, and they also want to be better stewards with their family to manage their time and to ensure that their voices can be heard. You have invited two high-profile people to participate in this, uh, former uh, president, presidential candidate Bernie Sanders and um, actor Danny Glover. Why? Well, I think we, there's a need to raise the profile of what's taking place uh, uh, with the company. Uh, Senator Sanders has, is a strong advocate for worker rights. Uh, he and Congressman Thompson believe that uh, the, what makes America strong uh, are the workers of this country, and those workers should be afforded an opportunity to have a voice at the table, the same way workers in Germany and other parts of the developed world also have a voice. And what are they going to be doing? What Are they speaking? What is their role in this? Well, their role is primarily it is a march and a rally, and they're going to be speaking to the issue. They're going to encourage workers to support the effort to uh, organize to be able to collectively bargain and to encourage those workers at the Nissan plant that what they're doing is not only a, an American thing, it's a democratic thing, but it's important. It's important for this community. It's important for their families. Have you met with Nissan representatives at all? We have met with Nissan representatives in the past on several occasions. Uh, our, our message has been the same over the last seven plus years. Uh, and it remains the same that in order for the company to continue to be viable, it should allow the workers to do what they allow workers to do all across the globe. Mississippi workers should not be treated differently than workers in other countries. And what are they telling you? They believe that workers have the right to bring in a union, but that's the point that we're making is that that decision should be free of any intimidations or threat of plant closures, which is not going to happen. We are in a scenario where the state of Mississippi has given Nissan over a billion dollars to come to this state, and the taxpaying citizens, particularly the workers who are taxpaying citizens, should expect fair treatment, and that treatment should be based on how Nissan treats workers uh, in other parts of the globe. Why should Mississippi workers be treated by a foreign multinational company? They should not be treated any different. And you're saying that their attempts to unionize have been throttled? Their attempts to unionize have been met with resistance. They have been met with uh, workers being brought into meetings where many of them have reported uh, they felt intimidated. Those attempts have been met with misinformation about what it would mean to organize a union. Their attempts have been met with threats of termination and, and plant closures. That should not be. It should be a fair process where the workers can determine whether or not they want to be a collective bargaining union, uh, unit. And that, and that is based on their knowledge that in everywhere Nissan exists in the globe, they allow the workers this opportunity. Our workers should not be treated any different. 
they, they deserve better. State NAACP President Derek Johnson with our Desiree Frazier. Nissan technician Morris Mock has worked at the plant for 13 years. He's part of the effort to unionize the plant under the United Auto Workers Union. He tells Desiree Frazier threats and intimidation are used to keep workers afraid of collective bargaining. I've actually had managers come to me and uh, say that the uh, implied that the factory was going to close. Uh, we've had uh, the, the new Kellys. They showed them a video uh, of factories closing in Detroit, and and they tell them to, uh, you know, to stay away from people who are trying to organize the union. Uh, so all of these things are, are going on right now as we speak. What has it done in terms of the environment at the plant? I, I would say somewhat hostile, a little bit. Uh, you have, I think they've have div- divided the workers into different groups. Uh, you have the pro the pro union supporters, and you have the ones that are c- extremely scared who stay away from uh, workers who support the union. And you know, we feel that it's the uh, workers' decision to decide, and uh, without any threats and intimidation uh, from the company. Looking at the upcoming rally, March 4th, you're planning a a march and rally. You have got some high-profile folks coming. Uh, You've got the president of the Sierra Club, uh, Congressman Benny Thompson, the actor Danny Glover, former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. The NFL Players Association, uh, quite a a bit. How do you think that's going to go over? How will that impact what you're doing? This is a... um, labor rights is civil rights fight. I think that it will go over the same way it did back in the 60s uh, during the sanitation workers strike in, uh, or, or sanitation workers uh, uh, fight in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. I think it will, hopefully, God's willing, it will draw that same uh, attention to the state of Mississippi. Last year, uh, they were fined for some safety violations. Have you found that things have improved on that front? No, ma'am. No, ma'am, they haven't. They're just slow to react, and I think they need to start putting the workers first beyond before anything else. Uh, you know, you're having workers that are, you know, I think just a couple of months ago we had a worker to just tell a manager about uh, something that was loose and it fell on his foot. And, you know, just basic stuff, they're just slow to react on out the, the workers' basic needs of, of health and safety. I know last year uh, one of the violations had to do with the pits and uh, someone falling into one and being hurt. This year, I think it's something dealing with uh, ventilation. Uh, some certain areas are, uh, you know, the, the, the workers are, it's not properly vented and it's they're breathing in uh, smoke. And we don't know the uh, how toxic it is, but that's just, you know, like I said, we've called OSHA and we've went through the steps already to uh, try to get an investigation done on it. Are you afraid of retribution at this point? I'm always afraid of retribution, but I'm I'm more afraid of me losing my life inside the factory. Uh, I just want to go back home the same way I came, and uh, that's the that's that's what every worker wants. And you know, I think that is more important than uh, some rep- retrib- retribution uh, against me. Nissan technician Morris Mock. Nissan's official statement regarding the March 4th rally says, Nissan's history reflects that we truly value our employees and respect their right to decide who should represent them. Nissan Canton employees enjoy good, stable, safe jobs with some of the highest wages and strongest benefits in Mississippi. The statement goes on to say, the allegations being made by the union against Nissan are completely unfounded.
coming up, free legal aid for tornado survivors. Excuse me, let me say that again. Free legal help for tornado survivors in South Mississippi. But first, a story core conversation about a life spent in service to others. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Hi, I'm Sharita Brent. On In Legal Terms, the focus is always you and your rights. From Miranda rights to civil rights, our legal experts will inform you of your right to do or not to do according to the law. Join us Tuesday mornings at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Marsha Meeks Kelly has tried to live in service to others through her whole life, as her Mississippi StoryCorps conversation reveals. After attending Gulfport High School, she spent several years in a convent, then taught sex education in public schools, all before joining VISTA, that's the Volunteers in Service to America program. Marsha Meeks Kelly tells her friend Judy Sign about her time in Vista and how her views on public service have evolved even since then. It was a phenomenal year because every time I would go to any public housing site, I already knew all the kids by name. They knew me, met their grandmothers and mothers. It was matriarchal mainly. And I remember sitting at kitchen tables and talking about with very, really many parents that I'd never met because they didn't come to the, to the schools because many of them were working multiple jobs or multiple responsibilities. But I would kneel at the kitchen tables and the chairs as they prayed for their, for their grandchildren's safety and for their well-being. And uh, it was a phenomenal year. Uh, that year, we got seven federal grants funded. The grants allowed for the residents to be able to have more control over the resources that came into each of the housing sites. So they created boards and we got more vista positions funded so every vista that came after me that year was from those residential sites they were local it was a powerful important year for me about that time i was finishing my year and it had already passed the opportunity for me to sign up for public schools but when i was a public school teacher and teaching these these classes there was a woman named Jeannie forrester who had come to visit my classroom she was a principal in meridian Jeannie had from the time that i went through my classes and my year as vista had become governor kirk fordyce's education advisor so when i had finished my vista year that happened to be that week there was a chamber of commerce first friday monthly meeting and she was the speaker and she remembered that she had come to my classroom asked what i was doing i told her that uh, that i wasn't sure that i had just completed this year and she said why don't you come help me and i told her i said Jeannie, i i'm not a politician i'm a practitioner i i i really and i said and i didn't vote for him <laughs> and <laughs> And I, so, I gotta say, you know, yes. my, my next question was, right. Marsha, how did you get to be executive director of the Mississippi Commission for <laughs> Volunteer Service, and I can't, a state I, agency, and you jumped right in? I but did. okay, so can, <laughs> this is good. And I've also got to say, I love this from a nunnery to sex education know, to a vista, and okay, <laughs> continue on, please. I'm sitting exactly. over laughing. <laughs> Well, 
so I, I, she said, just come. She said, just come and talk to me in Jackson. I said, okay. I said, I'll see you next week. So I went to her office and as I was sitting there talking to her, uh, I looked around her office and there was a chair rail that went all the way around her office. And, it, and from, you know, from the floor to about three foot up all the way around her office were these stacks of paper. And I was thinking to myself as I'm looking at this woman, I was thinking, well, you know, if I didn't do anything but just file for her, I could help her. And I was just amazed. It was all very ordinary. Organized, but it was just overwhelming. So I started working for her three days a week. There was never a time that uh, eventually it went into, you know, full time and I was working there full time. But there was never a time that anyone in that office ever asked me who I voted for or anything about my, my ideologies. Um, they were just hard working and, and they were busy trying to get things done for the state. And then, Something happened that that forever changed me and and I. We were working on a piece of legislation, um, and it was to get health insurance for public school teachers, and we got that passed that year. And I thought to myself that for the first time, I really got that if we were going to make big changes in this state, if we were going to make a difference, it was going to be on a public policy level. For the first time, public school teachers got health insurance as state employees. They had never had that benefit. I didn't know that. And, and that one opportunity to, to see the power of that change and how it had such huge impact on so many people made me realize that really this is, this is where the energy needs to be in this state. We have so many things to work on. But if we're really going to make a difference, if we're really going to change things, it has to be on a state level. And public policy was, you know, that brilliant way to do that. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps Mobile Tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. For moments in black history, we highlight Medgar Wiley Evers. As a lifelong Mississippian, Medgar Evers wanted equality for all of its citizens. Becoming an NAACP field secretary in 1954, he was moving his vision in Jackson and around the entire state. Becoming a real key in the desegregation of Ole Miss, Medgar Evers was a real change agent until his assassination in 1963. We salute Medgar Evers for his vision. You can kill a man, but you cannot kill an idea. This has been MPB's Moments in Black History. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians who are still recovering from last month's devastating tornadoes in the Hattiesburg area can now receive free disaster-related legal assistance. Lawyers with the Mississippi Bar Association are providing the free advice to storm victims this week. Attorney Wendy Ellard says they've set up a booth at FEMA's Disaster Recovery Center. Ellard tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the lawyers can help people with issues such as insurance coverage, obtaining proof of property ownership, and home repair contracts. We have seen insurance coverage issues. We have seen airship issues, and that is when someone is living in a home that they don't have clear legal title to. It's their grandmother's home. It's their sister's home. They don't have a deed, actually assigning them 
legal title to the property. So we are helping them go through the steps that are required to get that. That's one of FEMA's requirements that you can show that you are the owner of the home. That sounds like that can be challenging. Yes, it is. It's one of the more complicated processes. That is one of the processes that we are typically taking the information of the person and assigning them to a volunteer attorney that can take their case and continue down the road with them to resolution. That's not something that we can resolve in an hour today. But some of the things are, some some of the cases are more general questions. You know, what should what should I do if my insurance company denies me, if my contractor doesn't call me back? How can I continue pursuit of FEMA benefits if I'm denied? We're in FEMA's center, but we can actually help when FEMA denies claims. Are you finding that that is happening in some instances? In some instances, we're, we're still pretty early in the process. So a lot of times it's more of a decision by FEMA that the person needs to submit additional information or the person needs to confirm that their insurance company is not going to fully cover the benefits. It's, it's right now in the stage of information gathering so some of the survivors need additional resources to help them with that and we're willing and able we can call the insurance companies help get copies of the policies copies of the inspection reports the damage estimates and things like that what about in terms of uh, scams where people are trying to get their property fixed and they're finding like you said contractors aren't calling them back what can you do It happens. In those situations, you know, unfortunately, sometimes if a contractor receives a call from a homeowner, they disregard it. Well, if they receive a phone call from an attorney that, you know, throws in certain buzzwords, they are a lot more responsive. So we can help in that way. Or if the contractor still refuses to cooperate and provide the services that they are required to or have been paid for, then we can help the homeowner to go through more formal processes, either through the legal system, through the attorney general's office, and through the um, the Mississippi Contractors Licensing Board, those type things. Is this the only week you'll be there? We're assessing that. So if there's a need, we will be back next week, and we'll certainly keep the hotline open for the next several weeks. We typically hold those open for about 60 days after the FEMA eligibility time frame closes. And that's to allow for any appeals that might be necessary if FEMA does deny the assistance. You know, people people have been impacted by this disaster and a lot of times they are um, not in any mental shape to deal with all of the paperwork and claims processing and information gathering that's required. Are you finding that in terms of finding other permanent housing, they're running up against obstacles that require legal help? In any situation like this, there is, there's an issue with capacity. You know, you have several hundred persons that suddenly need housing. You know, a lot of them are low income survivors so you need low-income housing and the the market is just not there 
there aren't any additional resources, there aren't any openings. And a lot of a lot of the larger housing units have been hit. So you have a lot of people in need at one time. Will FEMA help them with financial assistance and finding a place? Yes, there is a program that FEMA runs for temporary housing assistance. I believe you can get um, temporary rental payments. You can get possibly, you know, quick repairs if if that's necessary to restore your your home. But we we typically refer them to the FEMA professionals that are here when they have specific eligibility type questions. MPB's Desiree Fraser with Wendy Ellard. The free legal services are available for those living in the four counties declared federal disaster areas, Forest, Lamar, Lauderdale, and Perry counties. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long at 9 o'clock. It's Money Talks at 10 in legal terms. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.